The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com. Here's to new beginnings. Be a queen, not a pawn. I'm Andrea Askowitz. I'm Zarina Fry. I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. You'll hear true personal stories and learn how to write your own stories. Together, we produce this podcast, which is equal parts heart and art. By heart, we mean the truth in a story. By art, we mean the craft of writing. No matter what's going on in our lives, writing class is where we tell the truth. It's where we work out our shit. There's no place in the world like writing class, and we want to bring you in. Today's episode is by student Danielle Huggins. She writes about having a severe manic episode and how she's learned in the 20 years since then to always take her medication for bipolar disorder. So listener, do you read or listen to stories because you want to see yourself reflected or do you read and listen because you want to escape your own reality? We talk about that later in the show. Wait, wait. We also talk about show and tell. And I think that's this story is that we're going to share with you today. Danielle's story is a, the perfect example of show and tell and how important it is. Danielle Huggins told the story already one other time on this podcast. It was episode 105 and it was called Teach Us Something We Don't Know. That episode was about her experience with electroconvulsive therapy. If you haven't listened to that episode, definitely check it out. Episode 105. Danielle Huggins is a former middle school math teacher with a master's degree in literacy. She's currently a stay-at-home mom, a student of writing class radio, and an avid kickboxer. Ba-boom! If you guys want to learn more about Danielle, she has a Facebook page called My Life as a Bipolar Mom. She lives in New Jersey with her husband and two children. We'll be back with Danielle Huggins' story after the break. Hey, this is Allison, host of Writing Class Radio. I know there are many of you out there who don't have access to a writing group or someone to look over your essay or manuscript. If that's the case, I can help. I'm available to help you whip your essay into shape. I'll read through your draft, offer suggestions, line edits, and I'll spend time with you brainstorming for the best possible ending. But be prepared to answer the question, what is this story about? Because if you don't know, nobody knows. You know, sometimes it takes more than a bath or a long walk to figure this out. It takes a brutal editor who will tell you what works, what needs more explaining, and what needs to go. For more information, visit writingclassradio.com. Then email allison at writingclassradio.com. Use the code WCR and your first 15 minutes is free. Hey, writers. For the last 45 years, I've been going to tennis clinics to practice forehands, backhand serves. What does this have to do with writing? Well, practice, I've learned in the last 45 years, is what it takes to get good at anything. And that's why Writing Class Radio hosts a tips clinic, a writing tips clinic. We do this every second Saturday so that we can all practice going to scene, writing like we speak, omitting needless words, everything that it takes to become great or at least better at writing. 
So join us every second Saturday from 12 noon to 1 Eastern time on Zoom. To join, go to writingclassradio.com and click the link for the tips clinic. It's $10 and believe me, it's a lot cheaper than a tennis clinic. See you there. All right, we're back. I'm Allison Langer, and this is Writing Class Radio. Here's Danielle Huggins reading her story, London Mania. I am underslept and overwhelmed. I'm in a London hotel room at the beginning of a four-day trip that was too cheap to pass up. I am 25. There are assignments to complete for my graduate courses and tests to grade for my middle school teaching job. I have brought this work with me and there are short stacks of papers everywhere. On the brown carpeted floor, on the rusty colored bedspread, and on the tall wooden dresser whose top drawer doesn't quite close. Despite having airplane seats that turned into beds, sleep eluded me on the overnight trip from JFK to Heathrow. I'm worried about this lack of sleep. Will it make me manic? For people like me with bipolar disorder, traveling can lead to mania, and the only antidote is sleep. To sleep, I need medication. I don't have any. I stopped taking it a few months ago because it made me gain weight. I've been here a couple of hours and should be napping when I hear a knock on my door and open it. Be ready in 20. We are hitting a pub. Maria glances beyond me into the room. What are all these papers? I shrug and say I'll be ready. I put on tight jeans and a black sweater. I spend 15 minutes curling my shoulder length hair. In the mirror, I look and feel amazing. I am gorgeous. Am I really gorgeous or am I manic and overly confident? The next day, Lorenzo, my middle school colleague who put the trip together, his mother and his sister Maria and I make the most of London. We ride in a red double-decker bus take pictures in a red phone booth and watch the changing of the guard at Buckingham Palace. Each night, I start off trying to sleep but cannot. I spend my nights working. The piles of paper seem to multiply. The next day, Lorenzo, Maria, Mrs. Costa, and I are on the London Underground. I hear Lorenzo speak to his mother in Italian. Why are they speaking in Italian? Is something wrong? Is this a code? I know that being severely manic can cause the brain to spin webs of conspiracies and make connections that aren't really there. But at this point, I no longer ask myself if I am or am not manic. I am beyond reason. His mom must be an illegal alien. We're going to have to smuggle her back into the U.S. I am terrified. By the last day, I am certain that Lorenzo's mom is not a citizen and that the British police are on to us. At the London Aquarium, Lorenzo is studying a map. I walk over, but I cannot make sense of it. The neon-colored roots are shifting and merging into each other. I say, how are you supposed to figure out where to go with the lines moving all over the place? Lorenzo turns his head and cocks it. Nothing is moving on this map. Danielle, are you all right? Suddenly, I have a realization. Lorenzo is pretending the map isn't moving. He is trying to tell me that his mom isn't a citizen and he is trying to figure out a way to sneak her out of this place so she doesn't get picked up by Interpol. I resolve to be quiet and follow him, his sister, and mom out. On the plane ride home, I believe we are the biggest story in, if not America, the world. All the passengers on the plane are reporters, 
writing up the story of how we're smuggling Mrs. Costa into the USA. Lorenzo pleads for me to sleep. I lean my head on the small cool window pane and try to sleep. But the second I close my eyes, I hear the click clacking of the reporter's computers. They are all writing about me and Lorenzo's family. When I open my eyes and crane my neck to catch them in action, the sound stops. They are cagey and slick, these reporters. Back home in New York, despite zero immigration issues, my paranoia persists. In his car, Lorenzo asks if I took any drugs. Be quiet, I say, since the radio must be bugged. I hear a helicopter and am sure Lorenzo's green VW is being broadcasted on every TV station, just like O.J. Simpson with his white Ford Bronco. I picture reporters relaying the story of how two middle school teachers smuggled an illegal immigrant from Italy via England into the United States. Lorenzo pulls into the parking lot of a hospital and tells me to wait in the car. I am so scared of being caught on camera, I curl myself into as small as a ball as possible and wait for him underneath the glove compartment. Going to the hospital must be part of a plan to not get caught. When Lorenzo comes out, he asks me what I am doing down in the well, and I say I'm afraid of the cameramen and reporters. He tells me the coast is clear, and I feel safe enough to walk inside the ER. I talk to a psychiatrist. He asks me if I have been diagnosed with any mental disorders. I tell him I have bipolar. He asks about my sleep and decides I need to be hospitalized. I have been in a psych ward before and am relieved because they are so secure that there is no way any reporters will infiltrate. I don't know how Lorenzo got this doctor to agree to admit me, but I don't ask. Before being taken up to the unit, Lorenzo hugs me and I see he is crying. He must be worried about his mom and these reporters. In the hospital, I'm given 40 milligrams of Zyprexa. That is a lot of Zyprexa. I sleep. After four days, I realized my mind fabricated the entire story. My stay is two weeks long and I am discharged with medication much stronger than those I quit. I have an additional two weeks of recovery at home before I am cleared to go back to teaching. I sleep late every day, getting 12 to 14 hours each night. During the day, I feel hazy and unclear. I can't read and even find it difficult to follow the plot lines of television shows. When I go back to work, Lorenzo tells me some teachers are asking what is wrong with me. He says they think I'm on drugs. I tell him I am on drugs, but not illegal ones. I explain my diagnosis and why I got so sick. He says, I'm so glad you're fine now. I am not really fine, however. I feel like a zombie. And even after working for a month, there are times when I am in front of a class writing math examples on the overhead projector, and all I want to do is lay my head on it and go to sleep. I see my doctor every four weeks, and each time he lowers the dose of Zyprexa until he takes me off it completely. After three months, he prescribes me lithium instead, an old standard, having been around since 1949. In the two decades since my psychotic break, I have never gone off my meds again, and I have never had a manic episode as severe as the one in London. Since then, the last thing I do before bed is open my bedside table drawer, take out my green Monday through Sunday pillbox, and swallow the sanity pills kept inside. If this isn't the best example of show and tell I have ever read and heard, 
I, I don't know what is. I was thinking, I wrote something down like um, where she said, I am gorgeous. Am I really gorgeous or just manic? And then I wrote, Allison loves this. She's looking in the mirror and she's seeing herself gorgeous, but then she's in her head. Yeah. I was going to ask you if you love that. And I wrote, Allison loves in head. I wrote that. Loves. You can say, 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 but showing throughout the entire thing, what she's going through brings us in, in such a big way. I know because she workshopped this story in second draft that she, she made that decision consciously. Um, and she tried it different ways. It's like she tried just telling the story where she just commits to the, the paranoid fabrication. As listeners, we in our class, the whole class was like, wait, but why? Why is this happening? Like, does she know that she's manic? Like, I, I love the way it finally came together. So I thought that she, she made the right choices. Yes, she did a really great job of bringing us into her reality. It was like, wait, how did I get here? Is this for real? (laughs) And it was just so seamless that it made me go back to the beginning to figure out where that turn was. And it was so slight. I I originally thought the turn was when uh, the turning point was when the narrator felt that the mother was not a legal citizen. To me, that's when the stakes got raised. But really, it was that point when she looked at herself and questioned her beauty, her worth, who she was. To me, that's when it started. It even started before that, actually. I think it started. Yeah, right at the top. And I thought that was beautiful because the whole thing goes chronological. There's never too much backstory because, you know, I love that structure when there's, you kind of start with the present and then go back. But she just started when she was 25, which is also amazing. And then she says that I'm worried about this lack of sleep will make me manic for people like me. And I love that part for people like me with bipolar disorder, traveling can lead to mania. And the only antidote is sleep. And to sleep, I need medication. I don't have any. I stopped taking them a few months ago because they made me gain weight. Boom, stakes right there. We know exactly what she's going through and why. We know the danger from the top. Yeah. I thought she did the best job grounding. We know what, we know where, we know when. I mean, it's so seamlessly perfectly done. And then she does show us the mania right away, um, Zarina, when she's the woman, the, her friend comes in and she's like, what are all these papers? <laughs> so she's hinting at it. Yes, she is. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it all over again. I'm like, in a minute. <laughs> well, this is our like yeah. second or third time seeing it. So we've had a moment to process. And I think what happened- Well, and I actually worked with her on it yeah. a lot in, in second draft. And it's, uh, it just shaped up. Sometimes we miss- the details, like to be able to then talk about them. But what happens is, is it laid the groundwork in our brain. So we subconsciously just kind of knew what was going on. And so right when the mirror scene hits, you get the paper, then the mirror scene. By the third time you're kind of being hit over the head, it's like, oh shit, this woman's screwed. Yeah. She's going down. But I actually thought that what, what the narrator did was she like amped it up and like, First, it's like, what are all these papers? Whoa, I look gorgeous. Am I manic? And then I am gone. Like there was even, a, and yeah. she says it. The fuzzy lines. 
Oh yeah, when when Lorenzo's pretending the map's not moving, God, she just rationalizes. So we are so in her head. Amazing. Wait, Lorenzo's not pretending the map. That's her logic. Yeah. She's like, oh, I figured it out. I have a realization. And we think her realization is going to be, fuck, I'm manic. But no, her realization is, oh, she goes deeper into her paranoid story right there. Mm-hmm. And she just amps it up, amps it up when she's in the car, crouching down. Even when she's in the hospital, she still thinks this is Lorenzo's plan. It's crazy. To smuggle in her, his mom. I mean, this is just a brilliant display of, of taking us into her world because we don't know if you're not bipolar or manic or whatever, you have no idea what goes on. And this is such a good description. Yeah, it's amazing. And then at the end, what do you guys think of the end? The end is like three months go by. She's really, it's not like it's to me, the end is really real. So three months goes by and all she wants to do is lie down. Like she's, she tells Lorenzo, like, you know, she's really not better. She's better, but she's not great. And then two decades goes by and she ends on this beautiful scene where she's opening up her little green pill box and she's swallowing her sanity pills. What's cool is that this perspective is, um, had she written it? a decade ago or two decades ago, it might have a different perspective because she may have been scared, more scared, or maybe the details of like other incidents or, you know, would have been in here. But what's important is that she's got this perspective that we as readers, when we read in the two decades since my death psychotic break, I've never gone off my meds again. And you're like, oh, you know, there's the story. So you've got the situation, right? girl goes off her meds and goes on a trip and freaks out. But the story is stay on your damn meds. It might be a good thing. Right. That's the public service announcement here. She learned that she has to stay on her medication. That's why I think this story is so important. Yeah. I'm so thankful for this story. Like I had Mm. no idea what it looks like, what it feels like, what someone's thinking who's having a manic episode. I'd never heard it before. The other thing I think is interesting is that we think, oh, mental illness or mental health or something. Oh, that's for other people who are crazy. Well, it isn't. Your body betrays you. It is an illness like any other illness. We would never say that about, you know, somebody who had, I don't know, what, what's a, a disease that we're all- Diabetes. It's a, we're all, we always compare uh, mental illness to diabetes, actually, because people have, there's a stigma around taking medication for- a mental illness, but there's no stigma around taking medication for diabetes. No one's going to be like, wait, what are you doing? Putting that insulin in you. Yeah. No one. No. Another thing that I love about this narrator is she doesn't seem concerned. She's not concerned about the stigma. Mm -mm. She's like, this is my world. This is my life. This is the way I've learned to cope. I really hope that stories like this, like bust open the whole stigma around mental illness, Me too, especially for people in our generation. So I think younger people, there the stigma is so different. There isn't a stigma. You know how people used to whisper cancer? Now it's like therapy. No, not anymore. I hope not. Maybe in our generation, still a little bit. I'm talking about old people, like in their 50s. But ah. Serena, you're not in your 50s. Ah. No, I'm not that far behind. I, I got to tell you guys, the reason why I didn't catch this so early is because 
I mean, I know people with I, I know people with bipolar disorders and mental illness, and I have some of my best friends have gone through that. Of course, we all do. So when she says things like, "Oh, I forgot my pills," and is this going to make me manic? That still doesn't really click because it's like I've seen it before. At least I thought I did. And so what's for me what makes this story so so captivating is just how severe it got and and how I was seamlessly brought into that world not realizing that it was that bad because we go through this whole thing of you know like oh I'm crazy that girl she's so crazy you're so crazy yeah is that what you thought she meant when she's like oh am I gonna get manic did you just think she was saying it like am I gonna Am I just going to get crazy? To a certain degree. But again, I mean, I do know people who have been diagnosed. I mean, there's levels. There's like, that's what I'm saying. Like, there's like, oh, you're so crazy. And then there's people like, oh, I need to take a, a Xanax because I'm about to fly. You know, so I'm not thinking that this is such a severe case, even okay. for people that I know who have been um, diagnosed and they're taking different types of pills. This story here is like the reason why people, why mental hospitals more should exist right but yeah there's just so many different levels of it i wasn't ready for where she was going to take me and that's why i caught it at her looking at the mirror and wondering if she's gorgeous and i think the reason why i caught that is because I've also looked in the mirror and questioned, am I cute today? I don't know, you know, that type of thing. And so that's where I was able to identify. And so that's what even made it even scarier because it's like, okay, now I'm identifying with this narrator who has a condition of what's real. Um, And so that's what made the journey even more so surreal, right? Were you scared? Well, scared is not the word, but it was like, whoa, it was kind of jarring because it's like, here I am. I'm able to identify with this person who has a severe mental illness. So that makes me like, wait a minute. <laughs> you know, so it just makes me wonder, like, uh, let me check my my reality. Well, I was going to ask you guys, and I think this question is really interesting right now, because I was going to ask you guys, like, do you read because you want to be taken into another world? Or do you read because you want to see yourself reflected in other in characters, you know, so that you feel like kind of not alone? And it sounds like in this case, Serena, it's both. I pretty much try to escape reality. That's how I started reading because my reality, I felt like was sucked. And so, you know, going into another world, you know, whether it's magical or just another somebody else's stuff. Um, as long as it wasn't my own, is a d- good distraction. And I think that's what made this jarring because it kind of like it's, you know, when you can relate too much, then it's like you're not really being taken away from reality. You're actually being grounded into another type. Your own. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Allison, what about you? Do you read to escape reality and be taken into another world? Or do you read because you want to like see yourself in stories? and feel less alone. I think when I read fiction, I look to be taken into another world and just escape. But when I read nonfiction, I think I want to listen and read to understand myself and those around me. So that's, that's more for me. That was a diplomatic answer. 
<laughs> poetry, I find I read that to find myself, but the other stuff is a total distraction. <laughs> I think that um, the reason why I'm hemming and hawing at the question, even though I'm the one who asked it, is because I feel like it's self-centered. My answer is not cute, but I do think I read fiction and nonfiction and get like an exciting joy out of connecting even with characters who seem so different than me. I think it's both. And I actually think that in every story that's done really well, and I've said this, we've talked about this before on Writing Class Radio, like any, you don't have to have been through a manic episode to connect with this narrator or to connect with the story that's told well, if she touches you and on a human level. And I do yeah. feel that this narrator, yeah, like I, I haven't been through what she's been through exactly, but I still see myself in her. And not because I look at the mirror and, and say like, hey, do I look cute? Because when I look in the mirror and I think I look cute, I believe myself. <laughs> I do. <laughs> like, I feel like, ooh, yeah, I look good tonight. And I don't think it's because I'm, <laughs> what? I can look in the mirror and sometimes not look good. But when I look good, I'm like, yeah. But anyway, why did I say that? I like to connect with the narrator. That's why I read. I just think the story is amazing to anyone. So I think everyone should read it, whether it applies, you feel connected to it or not, because it may connect you to somebody else. So it helps us understand those around us. And I always think that's a great thing. Yeah. Here's to new beginnings. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Danielle Huggins, for sharing your story. Writing Class Radio is hosted by me, Allison Langer, Andrea Askowitz, and Zarina Fry. Audio production by Matt Kundle, Evan Serminski, and Aiden Glassy at the Sound Off Media Company. Theme music is by Justina Chandler. There's more writing class on our website, writingclassradio.com, including stories we study, editing resources, video classes, writing retreats, and live online classes. Join our writing community by following us on Patreon. For $25 a month, you can join our first draft weekly writers group. You have the option to join me on Tuesdays, 12 to 1 Easter time, or... Or me, Zarina Fry, Wednesdays, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern time. We'll write to a prompt and share what you wrote. If you're looking to take writing to the next level, for $125 a month, you'll get first draft and second draft. In second draft, each week, three people bring a second draft for feedback. And some of the stories are so good, they land on our podcast. So many of our second draft students are getting their stories published all over the place, like Huffington Post and Mother Magazine, and I, I just can't even keep track. So join the community that comes together for instruction, an excuse to write, and most importantly, the support from other writers. To learn more, go to patreon.com slash writingclassradio. A new episode will drop every other Wednesday. There's no better way to understand ourselves and each other than by writing and sharing our stories. Everyone has a story. What's yours? No, you can't miss your own glow. It leaves when it's ready. Produced and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company. 
I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.